This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. All right, let's get this going. What do you say? Good? Here we are. <laughs> Episode 54 of your favorite, most wonderful, twice-a-week treat, that is I Doubt It. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. Sitting across from me is the lovely Brittany Page. Here I am. Who I just happened to walk by, and rather than show prep on her computer... It is pictures of delicious, delectable hot chocolate. It's good that you're dedicated to the show and doing research <laughs> and, you know, really doing the due diligence that you would need to to really understand the depth and the gravitas of yeah, the Yeah, all right, we get it. I don't know why you're throwing me under the bus right now. It's fucking hot chocolate it you're looking at. It is delicious looking, and I'm just having a great time <laughs> looking at delicious treats. Now, I should be allowed to do that yeah, with delicious treats. For sure. Uh, you're right. But seriously, it's pictures of hot chocolate. It's it's porn for Brittany Page. <laughs> it was a recipe. It was a link to a recipe. If you clicked on the link, mm-hmm. it would take you to a recipe mm-hmm. for that hot chocolate. Yes. Mm. So it's not just a picture of the hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Oh, how dare you. So, a little happening today. I actually this wasn't today this happened yesterday but the last couple of weeks Brittany and, and I have noticed we've both noticed independently and had a long talk about it that there are a lot of bicyclists and I don't mean like the idiots who drive around who ride around on their crazy bikes like they're sponsored and, and they they're on the Tour de France I'm not talking about them we live in a beach community very close to the ocean and there's people on beach cruisers fucking everywhere. They're like they're like cockroaches. You flip the lights on, they scatter. Yeah. Well, we live also in a community that is riddled. I don't mean to be negative about it, but we live in an area with a lot of four-way stops everywhere. Yeah. A little, you know, a, an area off the back bay in near Newport Beach, which is very... It's residential. Yeah, it's, yeah that's exactly. Residential. And bicyclists in this particular area apparently believe they are the only ones on the road and stop signs do not apply to them. Like, seriously, do not apply to them. Like, they just go through right. the stop. Where, where I've lived in the past and rode a bike, Boise, Idaho, the law is that when if there's no car coming, no cars at the intersection... You can roll through. You slow, make sure you're not going to get wiped out, and then roll through. You don't have to stop. Well, and if if there is a car there, you come to a stop as though you are a car. You obey the rules of the road if, if you encounter a car at the intersection. Which makes the most sense. Sure. So Brittany pointed out to me that bicyclists in our area... Don't do that. They, if there's cars at the intersection, they roll through like they are untouchable, like they're a phantom. And if you infringe on their ability to do that, well, what, what, tell what happened to yeah, you? I, I came up to a stop sign at one of the four way stops. There was no other cars, but I actually do a full stop now ever since getting a ticket upon coming to California and realizing that the California roll is not allowed. It's also illegal in California. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually did a full stop and I saw a bicyclist was coming from my left and he was riding toward me and I figured, well, he's going to stop because right. I'm here and I proceeded to drive and make my left turn and he did not stop and he threw his arms up like, what are you doing going? I'm coming through here. Right. Right. Well, and so this led to our discussion. Yeah, because it made me question whether or not I had done something wrong. Which I questioned as well. So yesterday we were eating out 
as is our wont to do. And I saw a cop walk into one of our favorite spots, Baja Fish Tacos. <laughs> and cops are always there, by the way. Right. So a cop walks in and I'm like, ah, here's my moment. So <laughs> I let him I let him order and then You let him order. Well, I allowed him time. I didn't bum rush him at the fucking counter. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I make my way to him while he's pouring his soda. And I'm like, hey, man, I got a question for you. I've been waiting to bump into one of your dudes. And first of all, everybody who heard me talking to him was very paranoid shit was getting ready to go down. Like you were going to attack the cop or something? I have no idea. But the the two ladies that were sitting next to us in the tables next to the soda machine were, what's happening? This giant red-haired seemingly psycho person is coming up to voluntarily talk to a cop. Why is he speaking to the holy policeman? Right, right. So anyway, I talked to him about it, explained the situation, and he assured me, absolutely not, bicyclists do not have the right of way, the right of way in that instance. In fact, he went on further to explain that if I was and kill one of them, it would be on the bicyclists. He did say, You'd have to live with that, you know, killing one of them, but it you would be in the right, which well, at least course, you'd be right. So, <laughs> of course, if you kill somebody, I don't want to live with that shit just to prove that I was right. Yeah. Hey, fuck you, man! You shouldn't have gone through the intersection. Yeah. So, what the fuck is up with bicyclists? It, I, it I seems, don't know. It seems that every lower form of pedestrianism, if that's a word, <laughs> is a more of a dick. Like people on foot are angry at bikes for being dicks and yeah. people on bikes are angry at cars for being dicks and people yeah. in cars are angry at semi trucks for being dicks it's it's a weird world of entitlement for on the road why can't we all just get along all right rodney King. and live in peace and harmony so my message as part of the show's ethos of moving the conversation forward is why don't you be more courteous if you ride a bike. Yes, please. Because I'm certainly courteous. And it's all... Hey, also this. Don't assume that I'm a good enough driver driver, not to fucking run you over. You should be on your toes because you could easily be crushed by my little Volvo. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. You definitely want to ride your bike as safely as possible because you're dealing with other cars. And you can't put that much trust in other humans to do the right thing or be... You know, paying attention, not being on their phones. Right. I don't trust people not to do those things. So. Sure. So that's where I am. And if I would love for the audience to sound off about this, because I'm certain that there are strong opinions on both sides, both from the bike riders and from the automobile drivers. Yeah. <laughs> the more normal people. Right. But moving along, because we got to get the show rolling, there is, I know they say this every single time, there's a lot going on. And by but, they, you mean you. Well, we do have to, yeah, they. <laughs> we, we do have to get the show rolling because um, we're starting very late because we listened to Obama's speech, which we will have snippets for later. Just for the listeners. Yeah, well, we started late because I wanted to be on top of this. We've heard from many listeners who, who like... Like when we like it when we beat John Stewart to the punch. Yeah, <laughs> and I I like that too. So because I know John Stewart's not going to be able to cover the speech today on on the show that's coming up today. Um, so tomorrow night show, uh, sorry Thursday night show for for John Stewart will cover the speech. However, you will have listened to this prior to that. Hopefully, if yes. you're a loyal, dedicated listener, <laughs> and we will have our analysis prior to to the hilarious John Stewart. And I wonder what Jay Stu has to say about that. Be Stu beef. Stu beef. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, but we'll get to that later. We we wanted to do a little follow up, a little a little housekeeping relative to our very scientific poll of the audience and what their thoughts of the combined Facebook accounts situation it was. And this is what we found. You know what I should do next time is actually create a survey and then just post it for people to take. Like in Survey Monkey. Yeah. Or something else. So, um <laughs> shit in my mouth. We 
asked people what their first thought was when they see combined couple Facebook profiles. And we had 10 votes that contained some variation of trust issues. Right, on the Facebook page. Yeah, so agreeing with Jesse, 10 votes having to do with trust issues. It's representative of trust issues. We had one vote for balls kept in box. Mm Mm-hmm. We also had one vote for gayest thing ever. All right. A couple of mavericks there. And then we had a vote that was hard for me to really pin down, so I'm just going to read it. Yeah. It said, this is weird. And and for the record, for the audience to know, we like the more verbose explanations. That we do. Because it really it, it expounds upon the subject matter a little bit more deeply than than just balls in a box, you know? <laughs> or gayest thing ever. Right. So we don't mind um, a little flowery language to explain yourself. That's yeah. good. Or just deep explanation. So Kate says, this is weird, but I'll say from a Midwestern person's view, I've seen some pretty happy couples that do this also, but they tend to be people who already share all the same friends for the most part and aren't on Facebook for personal need. They only use Facebook for contacting their shared friends and family. But again, I'm sure there are people who liked the idea for the reason that they could use it to monitor a significant other. I would just hope people wouldn't generalize too much and misinterpret a couple who doesn't feel the pull of the internet as a couple that is dysfunctional. Which leads me back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this, at the onset of this topic, is that I don't know, I'm not saying that every one of them has a problem, a trust issue, or is a cheater. I'm saying that my natural instinct that just kicks in is, hmm, somebody's not trustworthy there. Yeah, I'm what, not saying, what happened there? Yeah, I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying that's what comes to my mind. And furthermore, I wondered if couples who have a shared account, if they know, and as evidenced by our very unscientific poll, a lot of people also think that. Yeah. So that was just my two points. So, So that's that. I guess the results are a lot of people are like me and do initially suspect something's up. And fewer people are like me and more measured and take other things into consideration. Mm. (laughs) Did you hear that? Was that my own horn? Yeah, that was was your own... That was the the Britney tooting her own horn. Wow, that was a really great horn. Well, you're a good tutor. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I've been told that before. So moving right along, uh, we're also going to do a follow-up on the Ray Rice thing, which a lot of developments. So a tape was released of what happened on the inside of the elevator, not just the outside, which up to this point is all we had seen. And we get a glimpse into exactly what happened inside the elevator. The NFL's reaction, well, Baltimore released him from his contract by 2 p.m. that day, just a few hours after the tape was released. And the NFL, at the hands of Roger Goodell, suspended him indefinitely from play, from the league. And this is because the new tape had come out that showed him punch his... Then fiance in the face, now wife, and knocking her unconscious. Knock her unconscious. Right. He and punched her. She hit the rail inside the elevator and then fell right. face first. On There's the floor. no way to tell whether she was knocked out at the time from the punch or from the rail or whatever. But it was a, a, as a direct result of him hitting her that she got knocked out. And so not only has the NFL suspended him indefinitely. But the CFL, the Canadian Football League, has also said there's no place for him here either, as long as there's a ban by the NFL. So Harbaugh, the coach of the Baltimore Ravens, came out. Keep in mind, just Harbaugh, nobody from the organization, nobody from the front office came out. It was just Harbaugh. And he. this is kind of a mashup of a speech he gave and some of his comments that we're going to talk about. After seeing something this morning, seeing the video this morning, we had a chance to get together uh, with Steve, Dick, Ozzy, and myself, and we had a, uh, a meeting. It was not a long meeting, and we came to the decision that we came to to, uh, to release Ray. 
and uh, that's what we did, so you know that. Had a chance to talk to Ray uh, along with Ozzy uh, this afternoon after we did it. And, um, you know, I have nothing but uh, hope and goodwill for Ray and Janae. And uh, we'll do whatever we can going forward to help them, you know, as they go forward and try to make the best of it. It's something we saw for the first time today, you know, all of us. And uh, it changed things, of course. You know, it made things a little bit different. When someone that you care about does wrong, you know, and is faced with the consequences of doing wrong, and rightfully so, uh, it, is, it is tough. It is hurtful. And, uh, and, and my pain is for both of them as a couple, you know, and, and going forward. My hope is that they can make it work. And uh, from everything that I understand and in talking, you know, to Ray up until his suspension, talking to him a lot, you know, I, it seemed like they really were working hard and they were really doing well in that direction. And I hope they can weather this part of it, too. And I'll be praying for that. Yeah. Let me know how that works out. So the Associated Press broke today at uh, 152 on Wednesday, September 10th and said that a law enforcement official ha- had sent a copy of the Ray Rice tape to the NFL executive in April. So now it has come out that the NFL did know and see this video of inside the elevator. Right, which up to this point they've denied they denied seeing until the, just this afternoon. Which makes it even worse that when this whole situation happened, the Ravens had tweeted, Janae Rice says she deeply regrets the role that she played the night of the incident. And that tweet was also subsequently deleted. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's... They clearly knew. Well, I don't know if the Baltimore Ravens knew, but the league knew. The NFL knew. And there's a number of things that bother me about this. One is... Well, first of all, I want to get on the record because I don't want anybody to take me out of context because for for a long we've talked about this at length and everyone should know just how I feel about Ray Rice and that I believed his sentence was not harsh enough. The two-game suspension that he originally faced. But in this country, in the United States, we have something that is unique, I believe, in the justice system that's called we cannot face double jeopardy, which means unlike, let's say, the Italian justice system where where Amanda Knox was tried. Foxy Noxy. Foxy, the, the, the woman who was accused and convicted and then acquitted and then I guess is going back to trial to be reconvicted. Fuck, just yeah. got a mess. That, that kind of a mess can't happen here in America like it does in... In, in Italy. What happens here is, well, let me put it this way. If O.J. Simpson, a week after his acquittal for the murder of Ron Furman and Nicole Brown Simpson, if a video had surfaced after his acquittal of him doing it, he would not be able to be prosecuted because he was already tried, the state already tried to convict him, and he was acquitted by a jury of his peers. And now, really, it's a beautiful thing, if you think about it. I mean, sh- it would be unfortunate if that happened, but it's good that the government can't continue to harass people. That's right. So I'm not saying that the same burden of proof or evidentiary fucking constraints should be put on the NFL, but I'm saying that the spirit of double jeopardy is a is an American thing. And Ray Rice... The deplorable, woman-beating piece of shit that he is, he was convicted. The, the punishment had been levied. Wrong or right, I believe soft, I believe wrong punishment, but his two-game suspension had been levied. So then this tape comes out, Baltimore releases, his from, releases him from his contract, completely okay, I'm okay with that, but then Roger Goodell wants to go above and beyond his initial punishment only to save face. Only because there's media scrutiny, he says, oh, well, now that we know, now that we have the tape, now we're really going to throw the book at you, and you're never allowed to play again. More like, now that everyone else knows. Right. Well, it bothers me. What the fuck did 
the executives within the Baltimore Ravens organization think? What did the ex- the executives, these high powered, high highly paid men and women of the league, how did they think Janae Rice became unconscious in the elevator? Was she just so exasperated and throwing her hands up that she got out of breath and and passed out from lack of oxygen? Yeah, well, and they know that assault happened because he had an assault charge. Right. So, you know, they they can't use their imaginations and know what might have gone on in there before the elevator doors opened and her lifeless body was dragged out and she was laid face down. Right. In a, in a sport as violent as the NFL, these men know more than most what it takes to knock someone unconscious. So for them to act like, oh, we had no idea. Oh, my God. It was this bad. Oh, uh-huh. it's bullshit. But failure is all the way down the line from the Atlantic City, New Jersey Police Department or the county uh, sheriff's office or whoever levied the charges against him and then letting him off on some kind of a bullshit, almost like a misdemeanor type of program to uh, to recoup or to, to, to retrain himself or whatever. It's bullshit. So all the way up. They fucked up, but they did this mainly to save face because the tape came out and now they're trying to make themselves look better in the eyes of the public. And, you know, as bad as he is, and he is bad, and he's, does he really deserve to lose his job and his means of making money for the rest of his life? That, I have a problem with that because he, he clearly is a bad guy. He clearly has anger issues. He hit a woman Albeit, I mean, by all accounts, a defenseless woman, he's a piece of shit. But I don't believe that a lifetime ban from the, from playing football, which is ostensibly all this guy knows, I, I think it's inappropriate. Because in this country, we strive for redemption and and making yourself better and making up for past mistakes. And they're taking that away. There is no redemption for him. If he's never allowed to play again. I think that's a pretty reasonable response because... What, the kicking him out for good? No, what your take oh, on oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because well, <laughs> there, well, there should be room for rehabilitation. And obviously, he's very troubled. And he needs to do a lot of intensive work on that issue. I'm sure that he likely comes from a tumultuous household. I would get I would guess so. Where he witnessed domestic violence or maybe he was abused because people don't just do these kind of things right. because they have an anger issue. I mean it, it takes something really going on with you to hit a woman. So Well it, it, also this punishment is not just levied against him. It's also going to in turn hurt his wife. Yeah. She actually made an Instagram post about that. And her account's now private, so if you try to go look at her Instagram account, you won't be able to. But before it was private, someone screenshotted, and she said, I woke up this morning feeling like I had a horrible nightmare, feeling like I'm mourning the death of my closest friend. But to have to accept the fact that it's reality is a nightmare in itself. No one knows the pain that the media and unwanted options, I'm assuming she meant opinions, Mm -hmm. from the public has caused my family. To make us relive a moment in our lives that we regret every day is a horrible thing. To take something away from the man I love that he has worked his ass off all his life just to gain ratings is horrific. This is our life. What don't you all get? If your intentions were to hurt us, embarrass us, make us feel alone, take all happiness away, you've succeeded on so many levels. Just know we will continue to grow and show the world what real love is. Ravens Nation, we love you. I mean, I understand her 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 pain and but he's a public figure. I mean, they are in this culture in this world, they are celebrities. They know what they're in for. If he didn't want this type of life, he shouldn't have entered into the draft for the NFL. He could have gone into accounting or whatever his degree was in, probably fucking communications or something. That's kind of a joke because he's a student athlete. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I get that. Yeah. And so this is kind of motivated a discussion of people asking, 
Why does she stay? Why did she stay? After being hit. Because she was knocked out, um, you know, dragged yeah. out of the elevator, and then she subsequently married this man. And people keep saying, why? Well, I'm hearing a lot of blowback from that question of, well, it's it's offensive to ask why she stays because all it does is re-victimize her or shift blame to her or... Or take the 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 onus away from Ray Rice, and I don't believe that. I believe asking why did she stay, why do abuse victims stay after being horrifically abused, being knocked out. I've never, I've look, I've I've been in a lot of fights, I've seen a lot of fights, and I don't know that I can recall a time where I I've witnessed someone being knocked out like that. For as long as she was and being jostled and brought to and not coming to. That's, she was violently rocked. So I think the question is legitimate. Why do they stay? I don't think that it's offensive. I think it's, she's in a dangerous situation right now, staying with a person who, for all we know, beats her. Do we really think this was an isolated incident or was it only the first of many to come? Well, because from some of the research and some of the numbers that I've seen, it doesn't just happen one time. It's it's a it's a pattern. Well, and that's the thing that is so unfortunate. And I don't think it's negative to start a conversation about why did she stay? And we'll get to the hashtag why I stayed in a little bit. But. I know someone who was abused by their boyfriend and I would see this person have visible marks from the abuse that Mm -hmm. their boyfriend was committing against them. And it, it involved choking. It involved hitting them in the face. And she went on to marry this person. Yeah. And I don't know if he still does it. I... I I have no idea. I can't even venture a guess. But let's say he is rehabilitated. Let's say he went to therapy and he worked on his issues. You know, he came from abuse. Mm -hmm. He worked on those issues. They should be able to have a relationship if that's what they want. And they have worked through that, I guess. Yeah. Well, of course. And so if that happens with Ray Rice... It will be more difficult for them now to go forward because everyone has seen that. And the woman that I know, she has an advantage because I knew her when I was younger. And so, you know, most of the friends she has now don't know about that past. So they can just be a normal couple now. It's not this woman with the boyfriend that beat her. It's the world doesn't know the past. Yeah. And now the world knows this relationship and it's kind of, well, how are we going to just have a normal thing now when everybody knows? Yeah. And then when it comes down to, well, why is she staying? You know, many women get caught in a trap of they become dependent on their husband for money. They have kids. It's hard to leave. Um, My mom was a victim of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And when she was trying to get out um, and she would call shelters, they would say, well, we can't accept you because you have a son. You have have a male son and we can't have men here. So she couldn't escape because she had a male son. Was your your brother 25? No, he was a boy, but they wouldn't allow a boy to be in the shelter. Why? What What was the... I, I have no idea. That's bizarre. I don't know if that's consistent with many shelters or if it was just the shelters in the area she was in huh. or if it was a thing back then. I don't know, but women get stuck in situations that they it's hard to get out of. So a lot of people I've seen are making judgments. Well, she just wants the money. She's staying for that. Well, we don't know. I, would, I wouldn't go as far as to say that. You know, Ray Rice could be threatening her life. Saying, if you leave, I'm going to kill you. Or she could really love him. Yeah, or she's or she loves him, and he says it won't ever happen again. And she believes it. And she believes it. Right. You know, it's, it's so complicated, and everyone keeps trying to put this simple explanation, this simple question on it, and it's just, it's too complicated then. Well, what's wrong with her? Well, well I, I understand that, but my, my issue is simply asking the question, why doesn't she leave, I don't believe is a bad thing. 
I think it's it opens up a, a world of conversations that we need to have. And that other people might need to hear that are in similar situations. Yes. And it might make logical sense to them, might break something down in their brain to where they say, you know what? That makes sense. I need to get out. Yeah. For, so, I, I, look... And and also, I wanted to make this point relative to his expulsion, his indefinite expulsion from the league or from football altogether. Um, I don't believe that. Well, one, I think Roger Goodell, and I've been struggling with this all day. I think he needs to go because he's only acting to save face. He's not doing what's best. And to make this unilateral decision to get rid of Ray Rice for good to sweep it under the rug is bullshit. What they need in this kind of an instance to get rid of a player, it needs to be a committee made up of players, of coaches, of league executives, a a litany of different viewpoints and outlooks to determine whether a guy gets banished for life. Not just Roger Goodell, who's probably banished for life soon anyway because of his own actions. Yeah, and I think we will be seeing him resign probably tomorrow or be fired tomorrow. You think so? Everyone's calling for it. Wow. Everyone's saying he needs to be fired rather than resign. So Bold. That's bold. Yeah. I, I don't know if it will be uh, tomorrow, but it very well could be because they're going to want to take quick and decisive action to get this black eye and this, this ch- horrible chapter behind us. So we were just talking about the question of why I stayed, and there has been an entire Twitter movement, a, tw- a hashtag on Twitter of hashtag why I stayed, and I guess women are sharing their experiences, um, ostensibly their their personal experiences with why they stayed. Yeah, so I'll just read a couple because I feel like people need to be reminded of how complicated the situation is. So this person says, he told me I was average and that no other educated, successful man would want me, and I believed him. Another person says, we were only married a month when he hit me for the first time. I had a huge wedding. I thought, what would people say if I leave now? Mm. This person says, because he isolated me from friends and family, and I had no one to turn to when the abuse started. You know, it's amazing to me that men... And this is chiefly a man thing. A lot of women don't have this power. But it it amazes me that men can be so manipulative in the same exact ways. That some of these violent men, are they're, they're unintelligent and they're terrible. But they all manage to figure out how to box a woman out from her friends and her family. And they, they use the same tactics to emotionally abuse and also physically abuse their women yeah it's fucking weird it's do you think it's something that's just in it just in us as men or is it just what's the deal because a lot of these guys are just they're fucking cro-magnon they're terrible They're, they're stupid but they all manage to be master manipulators where it relates to keeping these women in the relationship yeah, I don't think it's a man thing. I just think a lot of these men that are abusive come from abuse, and these are learned behaviors of mm. what they saw in their yeah, own yeah. fathers or their own family dynamic, and then it just gets transferred from generation to generation. Yeah. But another person said, I thought no one would believe me. I believed the I'm sorry's and thought something would change. Another person says, I really thought it was my fault, and it really would only happen the one time. It wasn't, and it didn't. This woman says, because he said he was sorry, I trusted that that meant it wouldn't happen again, 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 and again. Yeah. And Very, very sad. Another one, because I thought I was strong enough to fix things and make them better if I just tried harder, did more, and did it perfectly. Yeah. Very it's, sad. It's, it's really sad. But I also want to make a little point here, kind of get on my soapbox a little bit. Yeah, get on it. Because something that bothers me is the collective outrage for domestic violence. But then when another type of victimization of women happens, for example, cheating, mm-hmm. it seems to almost be accepted by men 
or other people, just women, I guess, too. For instance, politicians, you know, often get reelected even yeah. though they have affairs. John Edwards is still, you know, accepted relatively, even though he, I mean, victimized his wife terribly. She was dying of cancer. and Right. And had a baby with another woman. And I know the two are very different related to, you know, you could die from being abused. Sure. Obviously, you don't die from cheating. But if you didn't know that these tweets were about domestic violence and I was just reading them to you, you could also think they were just in a relationship with someone who was cheating on them, you know, because I thought I was strong enough to fix things and make them better if I just tried harder, did more and did it perfectly. I believed it wouldn't happen again, so I stayed. You know, they, yeah, they yeah. get into these cycles of victimization in many different ways, and it would just be nice if we <laughs> were all champions for, you know, treating humans better in all arenas. I... How can you argue with that? I mean, really, <laughs> it's a good position to take on your soapbox because no one can argue with it. That's great. Yeah. So apparently, in the Air Force, how's that for a segue? Zero <laughs> segue. <laughs> so apparently, in the Air Force, you need to when you re-enlist or when you enlist, you need to say the words "So help me God," or you don't get to re-enlist. Yes. In the latest religious controversy, the atheist airman last month was denied his request to reenlist because of his refusal to swear to God. And he is now poised to take the military to court, his lawyer said. Good for him. We have not received any word from the Air Force regarding our letter. It has not indicated a willingness to settle out of court. Monica Miller, an attorney for the American Humanist Association, which has taken up the service member's case, said... What the fuck are they doing? The American Humans Association? No. The goddamn Air Force. Listen, you've got a guy who wants to re-enlist. He wants to continue to serve his country. And you're going to disallow him from doing so because he doesn't want to say, so help me God. He has enough integrity to let you know, hey, listen, that's not something that I believe in. So I don't want to swear to it. Swearing to something means enough to me and I have enough integrity that I'm not going to lie in order to be in the Air Force. Where he could have easily just said it and, yeah, fuck, whatever. But it means something. The words he speaks mean something to him. Yeah. Enough that he doesn't want to lie about it. He's principled. Yeah. it's That's the kind of guy we want in our military. Yeah. And it just seems like we're not in a position to be turning away good people that want to be in the military, you know? Well, he doesn't believe in God. What's strange, though, is in the past, an airman could opt for an alternative phrase and omit the words, well, so help ended, me God. That ended in October of 2013. I know. Isn't that strange? It, it's bizarre because they, they had a whole, there was a whole controversy last year where the Air Force cadets had to say that and then they dropped that. They dropped that as a requirement. Huh. So anyway, it, get your shit together, Air Force. What, what the fuck are you doing? And it is only the Air Force because the other branches of, of the American military do not require the reference to God and make the phrase optional. Well, the Air Force is barely the military anyway. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. Well, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but they're barely the fucking military. They're my, they might may, may as well be Greyhound bus drivers with those fucking uniforms. <laughs> You're just showing your your Marine colors yeah, right now. Anyway, I I bleed green. I bleed green. <laughs> so that's all we have to say about that. Is get your shit together, Air Force. Speaking of getting your shit together, why don't you visit dollamore.com? Oh, that I, was that was a good one. I save I save the segues for the Amazon plug. Uh, go to dollamore.com. There's a search bar there where you can buy a book. If you search there for a book, whatever book, any book that they sell, which I assume would be any book. But you know what? Also, it's almost Halloween time. And I just got an email from Amazon saying that I should start talking about Halloween costumes that they sell. And in concert with that, I want to put a call out to the audience. I hope they haven't already fucking skipped ahead. <laughs> um, Brittany and I are looking for costumes of what we what we want to be for Halloween this year. We're we're traveling for Halloween, so it has to be something we can take on a plane easily. But I have been growing out my crazy beard 
for for a couple months now, and I'm not going to shave it until after Halloween, and it's already as long as it's probably ever been. Yeah, it's quite the beast. Yeah, Brittany calls it my man beard. It is a man beard. It's a fucking gnarly beard. It so, is. And obviously, from for those of you who haven't Facebook stalked Brittany and I, um, I am a giant fucking ginger. Yeah, and so here are the things that we can't be. No, Did- no, no. I wanted to say my costume has to incorporate the beard okay yeah yeah and so in our in the costume ideas that you give to us which we will really appreciate oh yeah you gotta help us out yeah because we are completely we've lost already here. been viking yeah we were already vikings and then we were already a nun and a priest a nun and a priest which i was shaved for that yeah balls everything completely <laughs> shorn but i want to have a, a red beard represented in the costume but it can't be viking i was thinking braveheart like that kind of, you know, Hamish from the show. Yeah. From the movie. But it seems very fucking complicated. Unless you have some easy way to help me figure it out. Yeah. And all the Braveheart costumes I've seen online are pretty fucking cheesy. So, if you can find one via Amazon using the search bar on dollamore.com, that would be great. And we would appreciate your assistance greatly. Moving right along. Apparently... The two things that we've been promised as men for many, many years, we're getting one of them. And it's not a flying car. It is male birth control. (laughs) And it's supposed to be here by 2017. But don't get your hopes up because they always say this and they're always lying. Right. And it also, Brittany did some reading and it's not like birth control, like taking a pill. Oh, no. It's still an injection into your nutsack. It's going to be a great time for you guys. Okay, let me get into it, though, because it's really interesting because it involves studying baboons. Oh, right. Or as Bra- I called them earlier, baboons. Baboons. Baboons works. <laughs> it's not Brian the Bonobo. No, it's not. It's baboons. Yes. The red, white, and blue asshole baboons. Yeah, so it's called Vassal Gel. Vassal Gel. Vassal Gel. Vassal Gel. Yeah. And it is proving effective in a baboon study. Three lucky male baboons were injected with vassal gel and given unrestricted sexual access to 10 to 15 female baboons each. Hmm. So they each got... 10 to 15 each? Yes. That's a good fucking time for those baboons. Three male baboons, 10 to 15 ladies each. And nobody got knocked up. Is that right? That is correct. It went for about six months now, and no female baboons have been impregnated. Wow. So it's pretty amazing. With the success of the animal study, new funding has come in, and they're planning to start human trials next year. So they're planning to see it on the market in like 2017. I mean, if all this goes well. Right. So how does it work? It's essentially a reimagining of medical technology called called RISUG, Reversible Inhibition of Sperm Under Guidance. And it is non-hormonal, and it only requires a single treatment in order to be effective for an extended period of time. Rather than cutting the vas deferens, as would be done in a vasectomy, (laughs) this procedure involves the injection of a polymer contraceptive directly into the vas deferens. Yeah, yikes. Yikes indeed. This polymer will then block any sperm that attempt to pass through the tube. At any point, however, the polymer can be flushed out with a second injection if a man wishes to bring his sperm back up to speed. Wow. It still seems like a sitch, but you know what? You guys need to be taking some responsibility for the permanent BC. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's just not as easy as a pill. Yeah, and I get that. I mean, I, I'm avoiding having things implanted in me, too. They have, they have unfortunate options for women yeah, as well. well I'm, look, taking a pill every day of your life and possibly getting fat from it is it's problematic for a lot of women. Yeah, at least it clears up your acne. For some women. That's true. Some, it doesn't work. That's true. It's a crapshoot. Yeah, you're rolling the dice. Right. Speaking of crapshoots, Obama gave his speech about <laughs> ISIS tonight wow you're just essing right in his mouth huh? i know we stayed up uh we stayed up a little later well we waited to do the show until later than we normally do because we wanted to do this for the audience um and i'm gonna give my analysis for whatever the fuck that's worth uh i have about four clips from the speech 
that I want to address. And I guess we'll just start there. At this moment, the greatest threats come from the Middle East and North Africa, where radical groups exploit grievances for their own gain. And one of those groups is ISIL, which calls itself the Islamic State. Now, let's make two things clear. ISIL is not Islamic. No religion condones the killing of innocents, and the vast majority of ISIL's victims have been Muslim. So, they're not Islamist? Is that what he's saying? It says it in their name. Shouldn't we take their word for it? Right. Don't they don't they do their Allah Akbar and get down on the little flying carpets and Yikes. Too too much? Alright, well, I guess we're gonna introduce the latest and newest addition. To the show. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dallimore are solely those of Jesse Dallimore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. All right. <laughs> Just so, a little disclaimer there when you start talking about flying carpets. And well, stuff. we need to be able to differentiate my views and the things that I say from what you say, because my views don't represent what you believe all the time yeah my participation in the show does not mean that i'm you yeah that two is, different people that is a fact so we're gonna move right along <laughs> well i mean really seriously to call them not islamist is bullshit they are muslims it, it's he's trying way too hard to distinguish to make sure the world or the the Muslim world doesn't think that it's a holy war between the United States or between Christian, Christians and them, which they should know that it's come on. It's they are a fucking radical threat to the world. It has nothing to do with their religion, except for it does have to do with their religion. Well, and I'm surprised <laughs> that he took the stand that he did, because most people that are against Obama, not most people, there's a fringe part yeah. of the people that are against Obama that say, oh, he's a Muslim and, yeah. you know. Yeah, right. The, the country bumpkins. Right. Well, moving on. In a region that has known so much bloodshed, these terrorists are unique in their brutality. They execute captured prisoners. They kill children. They enslave, rape, and force women into marriage. They threaten the religious minority with genocide. And... In acts of barbarism, they took the lives of two American journalists, Jim Foley and Stephen Sotloff. So ISIL poses a threat to the people of Iraq and Syria and the broader Middle East, including American citizens, personnel, and facilities. If left unchecked, these terrorists could pose a growing threat beyond that region, including to the United States. I'm glad he said that. Listen, I have my criticisms for President Obama, and I voice them a lot, but I think he got it right in this speech, and I think that the strategy that they are laying out will will be a good one, and we'll I guess we'll get to all of that once I play all these clips. It was like a 15 or 16 minute speech, but I don't want to, we're not going to play all of it, but I just wanted to hit the highlights. So tonight, with a new Iraqi government in place, and following consultations with allies abroad, and Congress at home, I can announce that America will lead a broad coalition to roll back this terrorist threat. Our objective is clear. We will degrade and ultimately destroy ISIL through a comprehensive and sustained counterterrorism strategy. First, we will conduct a systematic campaign of airstrikes against these terrorists. Working with the Iraqi government, we will expand our efforts beyond protecting our own people and humanitarian missions so that we're hitting ISIL targets as Iraqi forces go on offense. Moreover, I've made it clear that we will hunt down terrorists who threaten our country wherever they are. That means I will not hesitate to take action against ISIL in Syria as well as Iraq. This is a core principle of my presidency. If you threaten America, you will find no safe haven. Two points here. One being, it's a big deal for the President of the United States to say firmly that we are going to be taking action within the borders of a sovereign country that is currently experiencing a violent civil war. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. It's not just... Because let me tell you, 
uh, Assad is not asking for our fucking help. He, he might secretly want it, but he doesn't want United States intervention inside of his borders without his say so, because it makes him look weak and more impotent than he actually is. Yeah. So, and then the second point is I back him up on that. I do believe that Obama is a guy who will track you down and fucking kill you if you make a threat, if you threaten America. He has proven that with his many, 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 many drone strikes (laughs) (laughs) that a lot of people think are illegal and a violation of, of human rights. Taking care of biz. Fucking taking care of biz. This is, he, he, he's killed more people with drones, um, in clandestine attacks than George Bush ever fucking dreamed. So Obama fucking does take care of biz related to this. And he is certainly, I don't know if it's a benchmark or whatever he called it of his administration, but it's certainly, uh, a selling point, (laughs) you know? So then he talks about, he wraps it up talking, about calling Congress to action to vote on this, and I, well, I guess I'll talk about it after the clip. Second, we will increase our support to forces fighting these terrorists on the ground. In June, I deployed several hundred American service members to Iraq to assess how we can best support Iraqi security forces. Now that those teams have completed their work and Iraq has formed a government, we will send an additional 475 service members to Iraq. As I've said before, these American forces will not have a combat mission. We will not get dragged into another ground war in Iraq. But they are needed to support Iraqi and Kurdish forces with training, intelligence, and equipment. We'll also support Iraq's efforts to stand up National Guard units to help Sunni communities secure their own freedom from ISIL's control. Across the border in Syria, we have ramped up our military assistance to the Syrian opposition. Tonight, I call on Congress again to give us additional authorities and resources to train and equip these fighters. In the fight against ISIL, we cannot rely on an Assad regime that terrorizes its own people, a regime that will never regain the legitimacy it has lost. Instead, we must strengthen the opposition as the best counterweight to extremists like ISIL, while pursuing the political solution necessary to solve Syria's crisis once and for all. Listen, I'm going to give credit where credit is due, and he is fucking getting it done here. I've said multiple times on this program that you cannot win a war, you cannot win a war without boots on the ground, with only airstrikes. It cannot be done. It has never been done, and they're not going to do it here. So with with the overwhelming violence of action that our Air Force and our Navy and Marine pilots can provide in conjunction with and in concert with boots on the ground that are actual inhabitants of the countries that we're going to be bombing. And if we, if we approve this 500, this half a billion dollar uh, appropriation to bolster the equipment, the training, and the the otherwise you know, the other facets of support that we could offer the different tribal forces and the different um, militias within these countries, I think it's a good thing. I think we need to be a little bit careful about giving uh, resources to people who are now our allies, but will turn around and be our enemies in just a few months after ISIS is booted out. That's a problem. And, but that's the CIA's job. We need to be, we need to have an, an intelligence infrastructure in place on the ground to be able to avoid those type of situations. But look, I got to give, I got to give him kudos here because it, it is, it's a strategy that I believe will work. If we train the, the, the boots that are currently on the ground and give them the resources and the means to fight the war, this could be done and support them with air support. We could very well do this. So, look, as much as I shit on Obama because I think he is a terrible president, I think he's doing this largely in the correct way. Because too much blood and treasure has been 
thrown, it's 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 good money after bad. You know, it's it's too much has been wasted and squandered in in this region with no with no no effect. With, yeah. With no good result. So good to go. And we'd love I'd love the audience to sound off on that. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. It seems that most of what we get responses on is not this deep, more <laughs> um, foreign policy type stuff. But, you know, whatever. It's important. It's Call very, in. very important. Um, or email or whatever, you know, whatever you feel most comfortable with. We're going to move on to something a little less important and a little bit more... Insane. A Florida mom's blood alcohol level was more than five times the legal limit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Are you sure you're reading that right? More than five times the legal limit when she drove to an elementary school to pick up her child. Wow. She's a 27-year-old woman, and she registered a .413 blood alcohol concentration. Her blood is almost half alcohol. It's a bad situation. Holy shit. That I mean that's scary. That's Yeah. Scary for her child, but also she must be a terrible debilitated alcoholic because you any normal person, your casual drinker or even someone who's a heavy drinker can't get to point 4 one or whatever and be conscious and be yeah still standing up and driving a car yeah that's that's alarming yeah so she was arrested and that was her blood alcohol concentration but before that she allegedly attacked officers and smashed up her vehicle the mayhem began when she arrived at trinity elementary school in newport ritchie on friday afternoon school officials wouldn't let the child who was not identified leave with her because she appeared quote extremely drunk instead they did the right thing and called the police yeah that's good she, I mean, finally some school officials doing the fucking right thing yeah she allegedly careened into two other vehicles on her way home officers tracked her down a short time later and she's accused of kicking and scratching them before they took her to the ground she was charged with child neglect battery on an officer and resisting arrest bond was set at fifteen thousand dollars Wow. Florida. That was Florida. Getting it done. She was having a good time. She's just trying to party. Right. Well, with, while picking up her daughter. Or maybe the party was interrupted by the end of the school day. Yeah. It's dangerous. So moving on, a woman from Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany didn't want to do this, but I fucking couldn't stop laughing. This person is just a weirdo. A woman has a a Kickstarter campaign, and we're going to post this video. We're going to post this video on the Facebook page because I stole the video. Because just in case you want to donate to her campaign. Yeah, she's raised a whopping $440 as of this broadcast. Phenomenal. If you would like your very own purse made of dog hair, (laughs) this lady has it for you. My name is Doris. I am a veterinary and a fashion designer. I have a project that was born from both of my passions. I can't wait for you to see. I turned this groomed dog fur that would be garbage anywhere else in the world in these handbags. I have spent a decade in research for this project and I take great care in professional sterilization of this fur. The yarn that the dog's fur is turned into is as soft as any other and adds value to sustainable society. These handbags prove that high-end can be made eco-friendly from your pet for you. With the sales of these handbags, a portion will go to the Humane Society. With your contribution, we can make a difference to help those animals that I need. Please support this project. 
<laughs> she has a great accent. I'll give her that. What's great about it is, well, obviously, she's selling handbags that are sewn with dog hair, uh, but also... They're sanitized. The highest of sanitation. <laughs> but what's great about it is, in the video that we're going to put on the website, she... <laughs> There's a woman working out in the park that she's having this video filmed. There's like a woman in the background like doing squats or something over her shoulder in the distance. It's just like, what the... <laughs> you can't do a second take or something? Find yeah. a, a better place to have the video filmed? Anyway, we're going to put it up on the website. And I think it's fucking funny. And she's a Tampa, Florida woman. Florida is always great. Getting it done. Nonsense. So we are going to wrap up the show with what's becoming a fan favorite. Taking care of biz. Yeah, so on this new taking care of biz segment, I am going to present a lovely... We're, we're going presidential with this. Yeah, I'm going to play a clip of LBJ. Lyndon Baines Johnson. Yep, and this is a phone conversation that he's having. He wanted some alterations done to his clothing. Right, He well... It's so great. He He's talking to a tailor on the phone, and, you know, it's a presidential thing, so all these phone calls are, are recorded, much to his chagrin. He's dead now, but um, he wants uh, new trousers made for himself by the same guy who made the trousers before, but he's he's got some pretty specific specifications yeah. for the tailor. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Hager? Yes, it's Joe Hager. Uh, Joe, uh, uh, is your father the one that uh, makes uh, clothes? Yes, sir. We're all together. Uh, you all made me some real lightweight slacks. Uh, uh, he just made up on his own, sent to me three or four months ago. It's a kind of a light brown and a light green, rather soft green and soft brown. Yes. And they're real lightweight. Now, I need about six pairs for summer wear. Yes, sir. Hello. Hello. Now, the pockets, when you sit down in the chair, the knife and your money comes out. So I needed at least another inch in the pockets. Uh, yeah. Now, another thing, the crotch down where your nuts hang is always a little too tight. So when you make them up, give me an inch that I can let out there uh, because they cut me. It's just like riding a... Uh, wire fence. These are almost these are the best that I've had anywhere in the United States. But uh, uh, when I gain a little weight, they cut me under there. So leave me. Uh, you never do have much margin there. But see if you can't leave me about an inch from the, where the zipper ends uh, around uh, under my back to my bunghole. So I can let it out there if I need to. <laughs> There's so many things to talk about. This there. is the best way to ask your tailor to do things for you. To you know, talk about your nutsack, where your nuts hang, and your bunghole. He needs an extra inch for his balls. Right. <laughs> well, he's an old man. And, you know, the Texas heat will do strange things to a guy's ball sack. He's the president of the United States and talking about his bunghole listen, and burping into the phone. Listen, <laughs> I don't know if it's... It may be Chris Matthews' book, Hardball, which his show now is named after on CNBC. Or is it MSNBC? One of the NBCs. I and, think it's MSNBC. Right. Well, Chris, Chris Matthews has that show called Hardball Politics, but he wrote a book called Hardball Politics... In it, I think it's his book. Maybe it's another book that I've read because, you know, I like to read. <laughs> he he talks about LBJ like shitting with the door open. I don't not sitting, but shitting with the door open and having staffers come over and talk to him and take notes about what the, the things he wants to talk about while he's grunting out a turd. That is terrible. He he was. A ridiculous human being. He's like a country bumpkin. Oh, my God. Terrible. Terrible.
I also love so that. So how he, was he? Well, hang on. How was he taking care of biz there? Well, he's getting it done. Yeah, he's huh? asking for it specific, and he's gonna get what he's asking for. He's gonna well, get an extra inch for his balls. He's gonna get an extra inch so his knife can fit in his pocket. His money and his knife. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently his bunghole, the presidential bunghole, needed. Needed coverage. Yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing. Fuck, I guess so. (laughs) It's like the greatest call I've ever heard. Yeah. Listen, if you want to buy a book on dollamore.com or on amazon.com through dollamore.com, there's a search bar there. And I would encourage you to go buy Chris Matthews' book from Amazon and maybe read about some of the stories that LBJ used to act like an asshole. I'm sure he was taking care of all kinds of bits that I don't even know about. Crazy. We've gone a little longer than normal on this show. We had a lot to cover. We actually scratched two separate stories in order to fit them in, in order to cut the show as short as we did here, going on uh, uh, close to an hour and 10 minutes. So listen, we love you. We appreciate you for listening. Every single one of you for taking time out of your week to listen to me run my stupid mouth. We hope we're making the world a better place. We appreciate you very, very much. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollamore are solely those of Jesse Dollamore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. 